Hello, and welcome back to the Iowa Type Theory Commute. I'm Aaron Stump, and we are talking about proof theory. And I wanted to attempt <laughs> to talk about linear logic a little bit. Uh, this is a subject that was originated in proof theory. I mean, the inventor, Jean-Yves Girard, is a famous, if wildly eccentric, proof theorist. And uh, he... so. Um, and it's covered in the Trollstrich-Fichtenberg book, um, so I'd like to kind of talk about linear logic a little bit. And we s sort of set the stage in the previous episode by talking about structural rules. And these are rules that basically um, do things like control how many times you're allowed to use an, an assumption, um, whether, you, like, whether you don't need to use it at all or whether you can duplicate it. Um, so weakening is a rule that says uh, you don't need to, you, you could just drop some assumption, you could just throw it away. Um, because, and, you know, you have to, it depends how you look at these rules. So when you, um, the weakening rule itself will say, you know, if I proved some formula from some set of assumptions, then I'm allowed to then I can also prove it from that same set of assumptions, but with some new assumption added, right? So it sort of says, you know, it's okay. If I manage to prove something with a small set of assumptions, then I could add another assumption, right? I just, I don't need it. So it doesn't really matter that I threw it in there. I'm not going to use it. My proof doesn't use it. So that's weakening. And it's weakening because you start with a pretty strong statement. So it's like, oh, from this little tiny set of assumptions, let's say I could prove a formula. And now I say this, the statement that says, okay, from that set of assumptions plus another formula, I can do my proof. Well, once you add an assumption, like that, that statement now is becoming weaker because you're assuming, um, you're assuming more. It's a stronger proof. Like, you're, you know, just in general, like if you have a theorem, if it has, if it needs fewer, if it has fewer hypotheses, right, that's a stronger theorem. If you can prove some theorem under like, 20 hypotheses, and it, somebody else can prove it under fewer hypotheses, and, you know, that's, that's generally, I mean, that means they're proving a stronger statement. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming the sets of hypotheses are, you know, they prove it under a subset of the hypotheses, and they're proving a stronger statement. So weakening is going from your proof with fewer hypotheses to your, to your proof with more hypotheses, which actually that becomes kind of a weaker statement, because it depends on more. Um, so, and then there's contraction we talked about, uh, which is the rule that says you can use your assumption, you can use, you can double your assumption, you can use it twice, or more than twice. Um, and formally speaking, your premise says, well, if from two assumptions of A, I could prove something, then in the conclusion I could say, well, just from one assumption of A is enough. And so you're contracting as you read from premises to conclusion of the rule. Like the premise says, you've got some assumptions including two A's, and you prove a formula. And the conclusion of the rule says, you've got some assumptions and just one A, and you prove a formula. Okay, so you're contracting two A's down to one as you go from premise to conclusion. But actually, if you're thinking about like trying to do a proof, you know, when you're trying to, you know, this, this actually came up in our... Um, our Zoom mini class, which is going right now. We had our first meeting on Monday, 11 people plus myself, uh, 12 total guys, and, and talking about um, Lambda Calculus, 
and some basic cylindrical calculus. Oh, I got some really noisy motorbikes for me. Oh my gosh, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I really am driving. There really are people zipping around on very noisy motorcycles. Um, Anyway, but this question about like how what are inference rules and how do they, you know, this like this style of presenting information using inference rules is really common in programming languages and logic, and mm, so we talked about some basic things of that. And one thing which we actually didn't really talk about was this idea that like you can read, you can kind of look at your rules two ways. If you have like a bunch of premises implies a conclusion, then one way you can view it is well, if I have proofs of all those premises, then I can deduce the conclusion. That makes total sense. But another way to re use to think about the rule is saying like, well, if I'm trying to prove the conclusion, one thing I could do is try to go off and prove the premises of this rule. Because the rule tells me if I manage to prove those premises, then I could deduce the conclusion. So if you can look at it kind of as a from a goal-oriented perspective, like I want to prove the conclusion, this rule tells me something I could do. I could go off and try to prove its premises. There might be several rules that could apply it to prove the same conclusion, right? And so, you know, um, there, there might be a choice about what to go try to do. Um, so anyway, with contraction, if you're viewing it uh, sort of in this from conclusion to premises kind of perspective, then it's saying, well, if you've got an assumption in, in, a, in an explicit list of assumptions, oh man, there's that kind of like curse of the bound variable thing I was talking about last time. Um, if you've got an assumption, if you got an assumption in a list, you could duplicate that assumption and have two copies of it in the list. Uh, so, um, and depending on how you've set up your other proof rules, you might actually need to do this. I have an explicit rule that lets you do that. I think, you know, probably generally one is trying to arrange matters so that these structural, what they call structural inferences that are just kind of monkeying around with your assumptions and stuff like that, and, and just not in a way that looks at their logical connectives, but just in this pretty generic way, like I can copy it, I could drop it, I could swap its position with another assumption that's called exchange. Um, it's it's kind of appealing to just kind of kind of um, meld those in with your other rules. So you don't explicitly have to have rules that let you do this. On the other hand, breaking out separate rules for these things then lets you say, "I'm not going to let you do that." And that's what linear logic does. Linear logic says, "I'm not going to let you use weakening and contraction just in general any, anywhere you want." Now, actually, linear logic includes an operator includes operators that basically say, but for this formula, I will let you do weakenings and contractions. Um, so, in other okay, so we're getting a little, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But, yeah, so the idea of linear logic or substructural logics more generally is to um, make some changes to these sort of basic structural rules to tell you that things like I can use my assumptions more than once. And in linear logic, we're saying you um, you have to use every assumption exactly once. So it's really quite a strong restriction. It's very strong. Um, uh, and uh, and it's it does lead to some really interesting ideas, I have to say, um, about like sort of different ways to view basic types or basic kinds of forms of formula. So, 
um, like Trollstrom and Schwichtenberg kind of started out talking about linear logic by talking about conjunction. And um, basically under linear logic, linear logic's discipline, where we don't, we must use, every assumption you make has to use exact ones. Actually, before I get into conjunction, since I'm also my destination, I think I'll just say some more kind of general things. Like, you know, um, one kind of example, you know, it may seem rather peculiar to be kind of like, oh, you have to use every assumption exactly once. That seems really weird. Um, from a computer science perspective, it actually makes beautiful sense under Curry-Howard, because under Curry-Howard isomorphism, a proof term in linear logic is basically a linear lambda term. So it's a lambda term that uses everything exactly once, which is uh, pretty great um, if you have... Uh, if you know that something, uh, some value cannot be duplicated by your program, like it's well known when you're writing compilers for um, functional languages and stuff, or you know you have, uh, if you have a pure functional language you're trying to compile, if you can identify that oh this value here is only going to be used once. So we're never going to pass it, like never going to make two references to it. Then when you try to do some kind of update operation, uh, you can do it destructively. You can just do a destructive copy. I mean, a destructive uh, modification because, you know, by assumption, nobody else can is using this. Like no other part of your code is using this object. So if you were saying like, oh, I'd like to make an update, but I know we're in pure functional programming land, so I understand we'll probably have to make a copy of this or some kind of shallow copy. Um, if you know that there's just one occurrence, you can aggressively just do an in-place modification in memory. So that's that's pretty great. That can really boost some performance. Um, so, you know, keeping track of how many times things are used is, you know, an important property you might, it's an important thing you might want to do in analyzing your, you know, your code. Uh, and so linear logic is kind of provides this nice Curry-Howard view of that where we can look at it as a logic, uh, this, this sort of discipline. And it, it opens up some interesting perspectives in logic. And as we'll see, when I talk about this a little more, this could probably become its own chapter, except I'm, it takes me a week to, put, to talk about this because I'm like studying this stuff and trying to make sure I don't say anything too, too wrong <laughs> about it. Um, but uh, yeah, we talk, we'll, I'll pick this up again the next time and talk about some of the rules of linear logic, like the ones for conjunction. And we kind of see, instead of just a single conjunction, we get two conjunctions, two different kinds of conjunction that make very intuitive sense um, when you just think about uh, kind of, yeah, I've got these sort of resources and how can I use them? Um, so anyway, uh, so thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope you're well wherever you are. Feel free to drop me an email sometime if you want to introduce yourself and say hi, ask me any questions, you know, suggest something you'd like to hear me talk about. Somebody said, suggested metaprogramming recently. That would be a good, that'd be a good topic for sure. Um, anyway, and thank you again so much to people who are, have um, been so kind as to do what I was asking people to please consider doing, which is giving tiny little bits of money to support the podcast. So this, these little donations keep trickling in, and I'm, I'm just really grateful and pleased as much. For this, uh, it's covering my hosting fees now for over a year, and um, it also just makes me feel like people value the podcast. So thank you very much. All right. Take care now. Bye.